Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends. It's that time of the month. Get ready for some awesome. There it is. You know what that means. February wrap-up. Saturday night edition. Johnny Storm, Luke Norris, two preachers talking on Saturday nights. I'm sorry, do you go by Luke Norris now? <laughs> is that a new name you're trying out for yourself? Oh, that's actually like my backup email address. I think that's where I said that. Oh, okay. I was... Keep it back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so hurtful. Yeah, oh, man. yeah. All right. Hey, so I don't know if you heard the new exciting podcast news. What's that? Scott McKnight started his own podcast. When, when do you think he's going to invite me on it? Um, well, you know, I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> I was thinking it was because he just saw a real dearth in the, like he looked out over Christianity and podcast and thought, there's just nobody really pumping out good, good material. Ones. No, yeah. they're all just silly questions. <laughs> he said that to you the first podcast, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was. Man, it's a shame N.T. Wright ripped his book apart. Oh, so heartbreaking. <laughs> N.T. Wright did not rip his book apart. <laughs> <laughs> They're friends. He calls him Tom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. We, what mm-hmm. did you call him? The Wright Reverend? I called him Dr. Bishop? Wright. Yeah. that's what I, I didn't call him Brother Tom like you. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. Hey, I hung out with a Jesuit priest this um, this week for quite a while for uh-huh. like a prayer retreat thing. Oh yeah, and called him Brother Anthony instead of Father Anthony, and he was totally cool with that. Yeah, that's because he's a priest, and so he has to be nice to you. He's Hold on, man. I've got to let my dog outside because he's going to keep whining the whole time. And some people are wondering, does Jonathan really mean that, or is that just a metaphor? No, he's literally outside right now. Yes, I am. I have four kids, man. You're, yeah. you're making me miss the Razorback game and everything to do this. So it was a good month, right? Yeah. What'd you think of Podcast the uh, going strong? Yeah. What'd you think of the lineup? I thought it was a great lineup. How How are your reviews coming? Are they starting to tank or what? The, well, I always I thought this was going to be a short term thing. I just assumed. <laughs> what? It's starting to it's starting to peter out. I'm. You know, personally, I'm thinking about subscribing to Scott McKnight's blog, and there's only so much room on my phones for Ouch. podcasts. That's that's thanks so much um, <laughs> that you would even think about doing that. I mean, yeah. I know a great part of your existence is trying to win Scott McKnight's approval, so it makes sense <laughs> for you to do that. But why would you have to say it to my face? <laughs> um, you're just because I feel like somebody has to do some straight talk with you at some point. Um, so your podcast has 88 reviews on iTunes. Yes, it does. It does. It'd and be nice to I get would, that to 100. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, nice round number. What? Here's, here's what I'd like to say. Okay. So, um, every, to everyone listening, if you will give uh, a four- or five-star review, Luke will send you a $50 Amazon gift card. No, no. You just need to – Luke Norse. No. Luke Norris, I think, is the email address that he, <laughs> nope. he checks. Nope, that's not going to happen. Um, nope, no $50, $50 is coming to anyone. Thank you. Honestly, like 30 of those reviews are, are like his mom. Yeah, and my aunts. And, and, aunts, uh, yeah, family members. Yeah. You could just kill Christmas presents right there, too. 
In a lot of ways, I do give out my podcast on CD as Christmas presents. <laughs> oh, gosh. That would be <laughs> awesome. That would be so amazing to... It would. Yeah. Now, You're welcome. You, you know one of the Christmas Aunt gifts Gladys. that uh, the internet has given to the world this week um, is your blog going down. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. It went down. Yes. Thank you for framing it that way. It's a gift. It's like a. It's an early Christmas present for all of us. Yeah. So you put out um, I Hate Hillsong blog, Justin Bieber's Not a Real Christian blog, and then um, your clickbait title works. And Did you think that was then clickbait? Then it crashes, and then a day later, I'm hanging out with uh, Joel. Yes. And, uh, luckily, you guys are on first name basis, I see. What, what did you think I was going to call him? Brother Joel? <laughs> Joel Houston. I just thought you might not pretend like you guys were BFFs. But. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. When, when we talk, I said Joel. Technically, he goes by Joel Timothy Houston, if you want to be precise. But, Does he really? Uh, yeah, that's what they, they refer to him as, uh, JTH, when they uh, do the abbreviation for, for Joel. Dude, I loved in the background of that podcast all the people singing in the bagpipes. and <laughs> That's pretty awesome, wasn't it? It was. Were they like warming up for the yeah. concert or something? So they were at the Cedar Park Center, which is a cool venue. Uh, actually, the Dallas Stars minor league hockey team plays there. And so I'd taken Avery there like a month ago, and I saw a sign for Hillsong um, that they were going to be there, which was pretty exciting to me because it's like four miles from my house. But – uh, we recorded in the dressing room uh, backstage. And so there was like um, a couple dressing rooms for Hillsong, and then that was uh, Ren Collective's group, I guess, right next door doing their thing. Because that was who opened for Hillsong. Oh, okay. So how was the concert? It was It was amazing. It was, it was really good. There's something – I don't know if you've experienced this when you go see someone – that, that you've talked to or that you know or someone that you, you root for. But there's a different feeling in my experience when there's someone on the stage that you, you're you rooting for, you trust, you like. And after probably about 25 minutes of talking to Joe, I was like, I, I like this guy and I feel like he's a really genuine person. Yeah, I got that impression just listening to it. And that the least genuine person in that room was not Joel. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute. That would be me, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. My buddy Paul had or the always... Guy on the bagpipes. Uh, yeah, I'm ignoring you. My buddy Paul had always said how, like, Joel is just a really, really good guy. He said the same thing about Brian Houston to his dad. And so as I was talking to him, I thought, man, this is exactly, you know, what my friend had said about him. And and so when he's leading and he's he, he's talking during part of it and he's not just playing, but he's also, you can tell he's a pastor um, because you'd say he's leading people in worship with some of the stuff he was saying. And... I just trusted what he was saying. I trusted where his heart was coming from. And so I felt like that made the experience like 15 times better than if it was just someone that I didn't have any connection to. I've always liked Hillsong worship and um, not really known anything about their, their church, but it was impressive. It made me like Hillsong even more. And it also made me realize just how incredibly bad at song lyrics and book titles you are. Just, uh, I think the song is, uh, is Rivers, maybe? Is it Rivers? Is it from, from, from the outside in? It's something like that. It's, 
<laughs> you sing these songs like every week and you don't know. Yeah, surprisingly, like I don't have a uh, photographic memory that recalls every exact line when I'm talking to someone. I mean, if you were doing it, you'd probably have 14 pages of notes like you do when you're preaching and you could look down every four seconds to get every line exactly right. But I want it to be feeling organic. And so you that cut to the bone. You cut to the bone. What? How dare you? <laughs> you have question A, period one, period two. Joel, you once said in a song that it's in the mystery that I find you. What did hey, you, you mean by that? Oh, <laughs> uh, if I would, I, anytime, anywhere, you want to put your sermon notes up against mine. Anytime, your angry grandma email forward, <laughs> looking notes, everything's capped and. Uh, there's no way you're making fun of me for the, <laughs> the notes that I have. Okay, let me make fun of you about your, your blog that you click clickbaited the internet, which, again, you succeeded in that, so well done. But <laughs> you post this thing, and your inter- your website crashes within, like, 36 hours. No, within, like, three hours. Oh, really? The, yeah, it just started. They would cra- it, it crashed, and I would get an email. And, um, and I had a busy day. I was doing stuff for... FaithWorks is nonprofit at, in Abilene that Highland partners with, and had meetings and stuff. And so they would. I'm on a shared. It doesn't matter. It's nerd talk, but the yeah. So it just it's kind of redundant for Jonathan talk. <laughs> okay, you're it, for those who didn't get to read the blog for whatever reason. You were uh, trying to you, first of all, you interacted with the GQ article, which was about Hillsong. Did you read that article? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's a great article, right? It was it was great. I thought it was nice. You had this uh, was it a Jewish, Jewish yeah. woman who who wrote it, and at the end, she said, "You know, I I had this connection to these people that I, I wanted more of them, or something to that extent." She's still singing the songs. Yeah, and so it was like they had a very positive encounter with the church, mm-hmm. and as fellow Christians, you go, "I want that to be people's encounter of our fellow Jesus people," where they go. I want more whatever they have. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, it was. The uh, So the point of the blog, jerk, wasn't to question Bieber getting saved. I know that would really bother you because you need somebody to tell you to love yourself a lot. <laughs> the, the point of the, the blog was – so part of, part of the challenge I have with churches – not like Hillsong, but just the celebrity nature of church is what are we, what are we trying to offer these people who are celebrities who are crushed by the weight of being a celebrity? Um, and the point was the early Christians, like this was not something that, that was formed to them. Christians actually that were famous, people that were famous actually became Christians. And the church asked them, we have a couple of instances where the church asked them to walk away from the industry that was making them famous. And um, it was more on the part of the challenge, I think, for Hillsong New York is that they have a section for a reserved seating for celebrities as well as for single moms. And I don't I just, you know, I've gone to church with famous people. I've gone to church with people who had a funeral and it was on Sports Center, and they very intentionally did not try to get special seating or um, – because that was part of the way that God was saving their soul from – Pushing against uh, that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got a buddy who goes to a, a Baptist church, 
or like one of those Baptist churches that dropped their denominational affiliation. And he said that Matthew McConaughey goes to that church down here in mm-hmm. Austin. And he's just there on a regular basis and you, you can sit next to him and he doesn't have bodyguards and he's just there. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, but I also think Justin Bieber is a different type of celebrity. I, I remember talking, Matthew McConaughey. I, I think so. Yeah. I think when Gosh, if my wife knew what church Matthew McConaughey went to, she would so that explains why my, Austin. That explains my wife, why my wife hasn't been to church in six weeks. She, yeah, she's, she's, been she's church shopping but, for one particular yeah. amenity. Yeah. Someone that they're welcome is all right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> no Paul was telling me when when uh, Bieber goes went to uh, the Hillsong Conference in Australia, it was it was disgusting how people followed him around. Yeah. And he yeah. couldn't go anywhere. And so it, it does feel gross to me that you elevate people. Like the book of James where it says, you know, if yep. if you treat people better because they have nice clothes and give them better seating, you know, okay, that's it's clearly against the ethic of Christianity. I get that. But when our culture is so disgustingly addicted to this and yeah. there's no way for this kid to experience like a Christian worship service outside of special parameters, something has to, to give. And so I kind of get that on the one hand, but on the other hand I go, yeah, it's still parenthetical to the way of Jesus. But, but what do you do? Like if just, before I was a part of Westover, your, uh, your friend, Deborah McCoy's son, Colt was Mm -hmm. going to Westover and one Sunday I'm there visiting my in-laws and this is when like the apex of his playing days and he walks in late to service and I see this guy on like the second to back row turn around. He sees Colt McCoy and then he literally pushes his wife over to make room to sit next to him. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, Colt was at Highland, um, gosh, a few months ago. And one of our, one of my favorite people at Highland, a guy who shows up in sweatpants, neighbor, yeah. you know, got baptized a, a few years ago. And um, anyway, just a, a funny, funny dude who doesn't really uh, know the church game. It's one of the reasons I love him. Well, he sees Colt and he sits with him all throughout service. Like, I think maybe push Colt's wife out of the way to get <laughs> And um, <laughs> he was just. It, it was really, really amazing. But for the most part, people treated him like a, a normal human being. And, and part of the reason I was writing that blog is not obviously to criticize Justin Bieber. It's to say, hey, what do we think we're doing here? Because mm-hmm. when we baptize Justin Bieber, what do we think we're baptizing him into? Yeah. Like, it, it's supposed to change things and not just him. It's supposed to change the way we see him and relate to him. Yeah. And, um, How does that work though when you're at a you know a thousand member worship service where you have people who have varying degrees of discipleship and you have some people who are probably even paparazzi in there? If the GQ story is accurate about his baptism story, oh no kidding, they're probably following him into service. And well, he, remember you remember the Kobe Bryant story where so, he did something. And, uh, like someone asked for a, a photo of him during church at some church in LA and he goes, no, I don't take pictures during church. And there's 
like we need to shield people from that so that they yeah. can genuinely connect with God. But on the other that hand, that where Kanye got the the song lyric. Yeah, Next time uh, I'm in church, please, please no, no photos. photos. Yeah, that was really good of you to be yeah. quoting Kanye. That's right. See, kids, I'm with it. Yeah, he's down. He's hip. <laughs> You're quoting Kanye in the podcast. I'm referencing Paul Abdul tomorrow in my sermon. <laughs> oh, wow. Gosh, cutting edge. Cutting edge. You have years of this to look forward to, Westover Hills. Years of this. <laughs> You'll quote Kanye in a decade. Don't worry. <laughs> okay so there's a tension there and you're trying to push back against okay we we can't just give in to this or ask to be some level of discipleship because we have to save people from this disgusting culture that worship people because they can sing and dance right i i actually had a follow-up blog but like it obviously died on the internet somewhere do you think Where? god's involved at all in our day-to-day -day <laughs> life what? If he was, this podcast would have died a long, <laughs> long time ago. Okay, fair. So um, it was about Osama bin Laden and um, ISIS and about how Osama bin Laden, when he, when he was dying uh, towards the end of his life, he was really depressed because they were getting all these new recruits in from, um, from the Western cultures because they were like the premier terrorist organization. And the problem was with all their new recruits is they would be like, you know, this is awesome. We're going to do jihad or whatever. And then his al-Qaeda leaders would have to go drag them back from Walmart or get, you know, like going to the mall and stuff. Because – and the book I read this in is a book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. He said basically um, the old al-Qaeda leaders lived by code. And he said – Everybody who comes in from Western values lives by pitch, like sales pitch. And he Ooh. said that's why ISIS is working so well because they don't recruit by code. They recruit by the pitch. So they're hashtag jihad life, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and then once you get there, if you try to leave, they'll kill you. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, but that's the difference. And I, I think that's one of the challenges that any church or church leader has in the West is like we have this sense that there's a code. There's a there's a high bar of discipleship and we're having to use pitch. And that's that's the thing I was trying to get at with the cool church language. Like um yeah it's it's fine to be cool. I, I actually I think Hillsong does good work and I'm glad they're doing it because they're reaching people that I'm never gonna reach. Um but I do think there's this thing we have to own up to about we're recruiting with pitch, not code. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And I think every church has to realize that the difference between, you know, your church that might look far more traditional and the church that has the, you know, everyone wearing the really cool hipster stuff and yeah. which I'm not saying hip, Hillsong is hipster because I've been told you don't say that, but like the difference isn't really the quality but it's the quantity like every church has this group that they're trying to be cool to and it might yeah. be hey i've got to wear you know this kind of suit and this kind of tie or we've got to have yeah, this or that. everyone's everyone's trying to fit into something that the gospel says hey that's not your ultimate allegiance everyone so, knows that. i agree and i'm right there with you one of the things that i want to push back on there is because i feel that i felt that at both of the churches that i work at the majority of people would accept me if I wear this, and I sometimes try to wear jeans 
because I want the majority of people to remember people that are in lower socioeconomic groups. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, like, I I really think Pope Francis is on to something in in getting the West to remember what the church really is. We're a church of the poor. We're the more privileged you are, the more you have, the less you are going to get, or the, the gospel is going to come natural to you. And, um, you know, the other day I went to one of our our campuses where there's a lower socioeconomic thing. We have Wednesday night thing. And I was there and I just, these are my people. I grew up in poverty. I grew and a lot of them didn't have teeth. Some of them, one, one woman told me that she didn't come to church because she lost all her teeth and it was embarrassing. And do you remember misreading scripture with Western eyes? They said that by the age of 30, Jesus probably didn't have any teeth either. I have never heard that. That would have been really helpful to me when I lost my front teeth in fifth grade. <laughs> I would have really remembered that, held on to it pretty tight. So you lost your teeth in fifth grade? Yeah, they're, I have fake front teeth. So Boy, anyway. That vanity came back with a vengeance, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> your first year uh, with teeth again, you I'm doing all right. <laughs> I was just thinking of being able to eat. Um yeah, I'm sure you were. That's all I was thinking about. Okay, so um, what you're basically saying is you don't like Justin Bieber. You don't like Hillsong. Um, you're sympathetic towards Osama bin Laden. And you wear jeans not because you don't like to wear khakis, but because you're trying to connect with the poor, a la Johnny Cash wearing black. So I think yeah, we've I think got you're that. you're nailing it. Yeah, you, t- you totally are encapsulating my points. Okay, the uh, when uh, when Joel's song uh, "Touch the Sky" references kind of some Henry Nowen stuff. I, well done uh, on the "Touch the Sky" language, by the way. Thank you. Falling thank you. upward, I think, is what upward, dude. I was backwards. Okay, no. it was close. No, mate, it's not. It's not that. Is that your Australian? Because it sounded very <laughs> British. <laughs> Let's hear you try it. No, mate, I don't have to do that. <laughs> No, I, I'm above that. I'm above that. Yeah. It uh, it gave me an opportunity to go back and I read uh, Nowen's book, I don't, whatever the book title that I referenced was, that the week before. And I have quoted Nowen in the last couple of years, and so I've looked at sections of him, but I haven't read like an entire selection, an entire book of his. And yeah. I was just reminded how much I love Henry Nowen. And yeah. his stuff about downward mobility is something that I feel like everyone in America, especially in the context of the conversation you're reading over and over again, uh, it needs to be read over and over again. And as you hear this with someone who's, he's talking to the upper echelon of people, downward mobility is the complete countercultural message that I think your blog post was trying to push towards. Yeah. And I think that's, that's that's really what he was trying to say is like, this is where we're going. Like we need to give up to follow Jesus on the way down. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know what other stuff Hillsong is doing to like in, get people like that engaged with the poor, and and you know, I'm sure I'm sure they're doing something. My general sentiment was to push back against the people that are like Justin Bieber got baptized, amazing. Now yeah. we're gonna be, yeah. you know, the uh, it's the now same. Christianity's really gonna take off, and hopefully Christianity will actually help de-escalate Justin Bieber for you. Yeah, it should de-escalate why Justin Bieber's conversion matters so much to you. 
Right. It, it matters because he's a person that matters. But the same thing with the Tim Tebow mania. It's great that you have this young man who's sold out for Jesus and he wants to talk to him all the time. But because of Jesus, the platform that he has shouldn't matter as much to you because you follow Jesus. Yeah, and Col- like Colt, um, totally let. Hey, hey, hey. Anna. <laughs> this is what happens when you have like 400 kids. They just <laughs> flop out every once in a while. It's like, hey, what is that in the bag? Oh, it's a kid. I'm doing something like <laughs> Okay. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, now you're going to be nice to her. What? For, I heard I was I was I could hear you. I hey, had phone, hey, and I could hey! Hear I'm always nice to your kids. All four. Colt, Colt was Colt what? was. It was just really gracious. Like he doesn't treat himself like a big deal when he could. And I mean that's that's what I think the gospel does to people over time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lord well, knows you if you had any platform like that, you'd be a monster. Well, I feel just like that's a, really hurtful. You already try to sign people's Bibles, and they're not asking you to. <laughs> It was one time, okay? (laughs) Who hasn't done that? Okay, if you had a book of the Bible named after you, you would do it too. (laughs) Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, Let's do reverse. We've already talked about uh, Joel, which was a fun podcast. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, And like I said a second ago, I became a huge fan of his work the more I got to uh, hear him, talk to him, talk with him after. Big fan of what he was doing. And uh, I'm also a big fan of your children. So let's do um, – let's talk about the Jamie Wright podcast, which – Like your N.T. Your NT Wright's foul mouth niece. <laughs> that was great. Uh, she's funny. So you got to meet her. That was a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And she spoke at Highland at a Wednesday, Wednesday night after doing chapel or yeah, something. She, and she did not speak like she did on your podcast when she was at Highland. She was very, very like churchy. Was or, she really? Well, I mean – no, not but not like she did on your podcast. If you're gonna connect my church to Jamie, for me, then I'm gonna say, make sure people know like she was coming to talk about missions, only missions. There was no mention of milkshakes or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So the awkward thing was schedule the podcast. We'd work, we'd email back and forth for a little while. Finally recorded it, and then we do the podcast, and it's supposed to be aired the Sunday our church does Mission Sunday. And she's in the podcast talking about the word mission is bad and supporting – and it, it could come across like she's against doing missions. So I might have waited like a week or two after Mission Sunday to post that one. Have um, you already posted it? No. I'm, I, by the time this is posted, it will be posted the day before, okay, which is gotcha. like two weeks after our Mission Sunday, just because I didn't want people to be misconstrued by that podcast to think that I was making some statement about churches. Aggressive. Yeah. So he's so- – the couple of things that I thought were amazing. I love how she keeps your ego in check. Um, you're, she called you the, the Ken doll of Churches of Christ, All right. which I thought was pretty great. And this, just, um, I, it, this I actually wrote down her quote. I don't think you're necessarily ugly. Give <laughs> me right. <laughs> tweet that. Somebody please tweet. That's what no. she said. Okay. Okay, next thing. Let's talk about missions instead. Okay, gotcha. Mr. Van Gordon. Um, I, I love I loved a lot of what she's saying. Um, do you want to take the, the for or the devil's advocate? Do you want to argue against her or with her? You, I'll just go whichever one you don't take. Um, I'll, I'll, let me do okay. devil's. Let me be devil. You be 
No, that, that sounds true to life. Okay, so <laughs> the the stuff that she said, I I think she's on to something with the her pushback on short term missions. Um, again, I I would argue with this the other way, but Dan Bouchel, who's a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. leads a missions organization, and he was telling us um, last year about a church in Mexico that got painted thirty times in one summer. Oh, that doesn't seem healthy. Right, yeah. Yeah, so there's a sense that short-term missions can be less ineffective and and might also have a negative impact on the people, uh, the local people's in-person understanding of Christians and American Christians specifically. Okay, yeah. that, I get that. And the, and the image of a father who doesn't have the resources to put a a, a roof over his kid's house watching... A, and as a father of a daughter, like watching a 11 year old, like attempt to nail a, a board in that it's not going to be done correctly. Like I can see how dehumanizing that can feel. I get that. Yeah. I also think there's something very formative about people from the first world being able to go to less developed parts of the world to see what the rest of the world is like. And their one week might not really make a difference in that local economy or in that local uh, family or that church. But what it can do is it can shape that person's worldview for the rest of their life. That's right. And make them incredibly generous, vote differently, attend church differently, mm-hmm. um, approach discipleship differently. Yeah. I mean, have you ever led like spring break campaigns or, or mission trips for? Yes. Okay. And I mean, you, you, so you saw like there's something that happens in that context that doesn't happen any other way yeah. um, that I know of. The, yeah. And, and diff- go ahead. And so, you know, I, the other week I was talking with a, a guy who for 15 years has gone to, I think, Honduras. And he, a, along with a group, have figured out a way to do uh, to build houses for people for like fifteen hundred dollars. And so for 15 years, he's been working on this, been doing it. He's not a carpenter. He's not a foreman. He's not a contractor. But this is something he cares about. And so he's invested a decade and a half of his life to do this. And I think that's a really beautiful thing for someone to invest their life into. Yeah. I, I mean, I do too. I, I think her her point is really important, though, that, you know, it can be colonial you know, we're, we have it all figured out. We're going there. Um, and I don't think that's the direction the world is moving. You know, like next week, the church in Brazil that we've helped sponsor their missionaries for the last uh, decades, they're coming to Abilene. Some of their young adults are coming to Abilene to help us with our restoration week. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Darren Reese, our, our director of global ministries that that's him just trying to reverse that that is such a great i've never heard of that before and that is a wonderful idea right that's the one we had jamie in to talk about different ways of thinking about mission because it is important to do but you know since we we go to people at highland go to brazil all the time it needs to be a partnership and so they raised money they're coming they're gonna help us serve our neighbors in abilene and they're they're super excited about it. Oh, that's, excited about having them. that's brilliant. It reminds me of the title to uh, Larry James's book, The Wealth of the Poor. That's right. 
It's kind of like not this, that people in Brazil are poor. No, no, no. I'm just definitely not at all. But what I'm trying to say is the the kingdom economy that we signed up to be a part of. It looks different than than what the normal economy looks like. So you go to say you do go to a third world country. There are resources that they have which we need to 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 learn from and sit at their feet to learn about. Yeah, so, yeah I think that's great. That's a great idea that Darren had. Yeah, um, and you know one of the things, if I was going to push back on on Jamie's idea, it would be you remember Nadia Boltz Weber talking about the democratization of church. Yeah. Um, or Chesterton. If anything's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. There's That's a clearly your motto in life. <laughs> there is a sense in which um, I think once you start professionalizing certain things, like uh, only these oh, yeah. people can do that, I think you you miss out on some stuff that. Well, frankly, like a lot of teenagers find out that they're good at ministry by doing ministry that they weren't professionals at in the first place or you know it's just part of part of the beauty of the way that yeah. those mission trips work is sometimes it's a calling for people yeah yeah and so i think her her stuff is a necessary corrective to the you know painting a church 30 times in one summer like that clearly is not helpful for anyone Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I think what she's pushing against is that, and I think we definitely need to hear that. And we also want to be respectful um, of the people that we interact with and see the common humanity and a common in- image of God in all of us. And I think that's, that's a very helpful corrective that I think she's pointing us to. And I look forward to reading that book whenever it's done. Hopefully her chapter titles are a little bit different than what she said. Yeah, a little more tame. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's talk about uh, our mutual friend, Josh Ross. That was a great podcast. And that was so good. I'm so glad he did that. I, He's one of the best dudes I know. Yeah. Present yeah. company included. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna ignore that. Yeah. Mm. I've had. Uh, really is. Yeah, definitely for sure. I I got a text from uh, someone who's uh, uh, had a sibling pass away, and uh, this. Sunday is the uh, 14th anniversary of when that death happened. And he talked about how like that, you know, that meant a whole lot to him. And I, I, I appreciate the way that there's life that has been birthed out of death mm-hmm. in that family's life and the way that they've taken that and it's brought life to other people. And it reminds me of the old uh, uh, parable that Pete Rollins tells that I've, I think I've talked about multiple times, but uh, the point is, you know, a person loses a child, they go house to house to find a house that has no suffering and none of those exist, but they find healing and going from house to house and hearing the stories of other people's suffering. And mm. they have been a house that has opened up their doors and let other people experience their suffering and they found catharsis in the same way that they found it, by, by sharing it with other people. So, You know that passage in Second Corinthians? You probably don't, so I better say it. The one about... <laughs> Uh, with the comfort God has given you, you comfort other people. That's that's what we've seen the last six years. Like the the Ross family have ministered out of a, a really deep wound and blessed a ton of people through it. That funeral was one of the most powerful moments of just any assembly I'd ever been in. Yeah. What do you th- when you heard him talking about Christian music? And how much that music uh, helped him. What, is that a similar view that you have about Christian music typically? 
So I told you this off offline, but um, the because of Josh Ross, I now have a Christian radio station back into my my programs on my my truck radio because I I was so cynical about them. Like Hillsong, um, that that song Healer. You know the story behind yeah, that, right? Where the guy uh, says he has cancer, but he turns out he has like an addiction to pornography. Was that it? I, yeah. I, I knew he just didn't have cancer at all, and there was he was like wearing an oxygen mask and yeah. was on national news. Not really sure why you need oxygen if it's a pornography addiction, but uh, <laughs> there's I don't understand. And his that. parents didn't, thought he was dying. I mean, it was yeah, it gotten, at some point. You know, that guy was just like I don't know. What's I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, no. But, that, so that song. Okay, so that gives you a reason for cynicism, right? That and, and several other things like uh, you know the the advertisements on Christian radio stations drive me crazy. They're safe for the whole idiot. family. That's kind of yeah. Stuff. That kind of that promotional those those yeah. things doing doing uh, book promotional stuff on Christian radio stations. You're just going to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't have anything against. I think they're trying to do something good, and I think they're, uh, you know, the bottom. Have you heard the thing on on Becky? If you were to ask any person in Christian radio industry about Becky, they would know exactly who you're talking about. I've got no clue what you're talking about. It's a soccer mom. Uh, it's their target demographic. Oh, okay. Soccer mom who's probably divorced. Remarried, taking three or four kids to their different stuff, and she wants something uplifting and not no hint of evil or any kind of, and that's their target demographic, hmm. um, and and so everything kind of organizes around that, and I, I get it, um, it's not me, and I don't I don't feel like that's preaching or so it just frustrated me, but because of Josh Ross constantly talking about this Christian song on the radio that really blessed him and stuff, I started realizing I was just getting too cynical and I was seeing through everything and not able to see anything. Yeah. And so about a year ago, I was like, all right, uh, that, that says more about me than it does the, the radio yeah. stations. I'm making these sweeping generalizations about. Which is crazy because you would typically think, that the cynical person would be someone who's lost their sister to a tragedy. And, right, right. And you and I are definitely more cynical than him. Like if you had to like rank the the like the <laughs> best preachers in terms of like the like the, the person and the character they are, they're we're on different ends of the spectrum. Like me and oh, Josh yeah. and you. So um, <laughs> I get that. Like different ends. <laughs> See what you did there. Me okay. and Josh. You. So, <laughs> so why would you think – okay, what do you think causes some people to have more of a cynical demeanor, demeanor towards the world than others? What do you think makes cynicism happen? I think cynicism's great temptation is that it protects you. You're, if you feel like you're um, on the inside of something, you can see everything. Uh, the problem with cynicism, it doesn't stick around long enough to be interviewed. So, you know, in the Bible, the cynic always comes across as the wise person in the room these days. But in the Bible, it was the fool. The scoffer was the fool. Because mm -hmm. um, they're, 
they're the person who thinks they can see things that they really don't know. Like, how do I how do I know that all Christian radio stations, their bottom line is really money? Um, that's actually not been my experience. There's been several that have really had vibrant ministries that blessed a lot of people and um, gave up stuff for. They they just didn't sell their soul to yeah to do what they were doing. Yeah, so there's no there's no way for you to really to know that, and it's easy to think, oh yeah, yeah I I have the complete knowledge of it. I, I've heard that behind every cynic is a disillusioned idealist, someone who had this idealistic view of the world. It came crashing down, and so they just become cynical, which is another way to say like you've been hurt by the the harsh realities of the world. And so you don't want to be hurt again. And so you just put yourself behind this front of cynicism. So you don't embrace the world as it is. And that's, yeah, that's, I get it. It makes sense. I've definitely done that myself. I continue to wrestle with that. Uh, But I think that's what this, you know, the third phase is all about. Like moving past, okay, I I have this idealistic view. Then I get disillusioned, but I can be uh, reoriented to something better. And I think that's, um, I think that's the circle to go towards. Okay. Speaking look, of that, that's kind of what Brian Zahn did. Look at that. Look at that. Trained you well. You sound like yeah. a professional. Well, for real, though, that is kind of what he did. Exactly, um, yeah. I was listening to that podcast, and I thought one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, do you feel like you've gone on a similar journey, a, a shorter journey, obviously? It wasn't you know, from when you were 17 to 50, but yeah. – yeah, definitely. I think I've been on a shorter journey, which is something that uh, most of your journeys are short. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that's why I connect to him because it's not the same as our tradition. Like our tradition hasn't gone full hook, line, and sinker on uh, politics as much as his flavor of Christianity has. Um, yeah, w- we haven't gone that direction. I think the Health and wealth is not really something we roll with, but some of the fundamentalism, some of the uh, obsession with certainty, I definitely can buy into that. Uh-huh. And I think I think that's what I connect him because so he has this experience reading the you know the NT rights of the world, the Richard Rohr's of the world, and it, it drastically changes the way that he sees God and his ministry. In a lot of ways, for me, that was like my grad school experience which I was able to have. And the only people that really had to suffer, like as I'm processing processing this were, was my little country church in Moran who like kind of hear me processing this. And then when I'm trying to do that uh, college Bible study, but they're all like 18 or 19. So they weren't even listening. So it doesn't really destroyed so many of their things. Yeah. They weren't even paying attention, but my poor wife had to suffer through like, we, One time I came home from grad school and there was something that I'd learned that undid a tenet of faith that I was certain of. And I said, hey, Lindsay, guess what? This isn't true. And she goes, what? What are you talking about? It's not true. Like, it's in the Bible. And I go, no, it's it's, it's really not true. It didn't ever happen. (laughs) (laughs) And so she still jokes about that today because it was such like a a 180 degree like turn. Like, what what are you saying? This is is not who you are. But... In grad, school, in grad school, it's one thing to experience that. It's another thing when you're leading a serious group of people yeah. and making this 180 degree downshift to go. Wait a minute, I've got to 
do a completely different kind of ministry because I see God, Bible, Jesus differently now. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think you've had that experience? Because you had oh, yeah. grad school while, while you were working at a church full time. Yeah, and I, I – um, probably the most disorienting things like you went towards my spouse. Um, there, was, there was an arrogance that comes along with it, and this is not on the professors. It's on the you – know, once, once you see things differently before you – like I, I believe just about everything I believed 10 years ago, but for deeper and better reasons. That's the way I say it. Um, but Leslie, for a while, did this bit where she would talk to anybody with an MDiv or who's in graduate school uh, with, with their spouse, and she would say, so do you believe in the devil? And <laughs> they would be like, uh, well, you know, there's the accuser and the, and the, the spouse. Most of the time it's someone who has it's a wife would be like, you don't believe in the devil? And they're like, no, I mean, I believe it. And she would do this totally to like pinpoint exactly what you're talking about because they were, she was just, um, because she saw enough of that, like people, and these are people who actually have, are trying to figure out how to say what they believe. There is a personification of evil and shorthand for it is, you know, somebody tempted Jesus in the desert. And yes, I believe that they were just really struggling with the, yeah. The, to say it. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that resonates with me about Brian's on too is, you know, here's somebody who did it when he was older in life, had much more invested in not changing. Mm-hmm. And he did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there was a big price he, he paid. And coincidentally, Hillsong, like Brian Houston, Joel's dad, had had been to his church, and and Joe went there as a kid, and so Joel is a big fan of Brian Zahn, continues to be uh, of his work. So interesting, unless he's he's had um, uh, you know a big impact on a lot of people, and he was at, at a prominent place in his life when he does it. So I think that 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 took a lot of uh, character to kind of go through that. One of the things I loved about what he was saying is that his previous kind of mo was certainty. That was. His big yeah. thing, like this is certain. And then he has this line in the book that certainty is a poor excuse for faith. Yeah, I love that line. I I don't know if that's the like the the linchpin of the difference is like okay, I don't have certainty about this, but I have faith. Or if that's just a, a major theme, but it was the one that stood out to me the most. And I think that's the biggest difference for me. You know, fifteen years ago to where I am today is like I. I Certainty is something that I don't feel like I have, but I have faith, and I, that's enough for me these days. Yeah. Well, I I, I love that interview, and I appreciate Brian Zahn's work a lot. Well, I have the red watered wine. Is it good? That's oh, good. It it it's a um, it's his story. It's a narrative that that kind of explains the flow of where he was and where he came to be, and how the different authors, the Scott McKnight's, the N.T. Wright's, the you know those kind of people help shape that journey. So it, it's a good read. I, I would recommend it. And especially for someone who doesn't want like a really technical read, but really wants more of a narrative to see what this looks like in a person's life. It's perfect yeah. for that. So who's, who's, uh, next on the podcast? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh yeah. We we're out of time, but, uh, did you listen? My man, Sean Adams, that was the last one of the month. I did listen to that. I, I love that there's someone who is at your church who can stomach hanging out with you and hear you preach. 
So wow. kudos on that. Wow. That was just like a straight dagger. I mean, there wasn't any even joke <laughs> on that. Just like, here is straight vitriol. I'm going to pour it on your open wound. There was no way to dance. You just went straight to, man, I think everyone I'm sorry. You. I'm sorry. It's late. We're, you know, we both got to preach tomorrow. I get to. And, I don't have to. I get to. It's a gift. Oh, that's true. That's true. I get to preach tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you for that Jesus juke, Luke. <laughs> I'll be here all week. It's a difference of success and craft. That's what it is. Success and craft. It's a difference. It's a joy. I get to. <clears throat> but yeah, it was a good month. Loved them all. Who Who is up next on the podcast? Um, next month, we've got uh, Rob Bell, his new book. It's entitled How to Be Here. That's Are you going to have him driving all over Beverly Hills while he talks to you again? No, I think I'm actually going to be uh, out there uh, in Southern California with him. You're going to be with him? Yeah. It'll be a, a face-to-face, a live podcast. Nice. Y'all meeting at a Starbucks? No, I don't think... Where do I, you meet Rob Bell at in Malibu? Or uh, uh, I think we are going to be meeting at Casa de Bell. Really? Casa de Bell, yes. Are you serious? You're, the, either that's a Mexican restaurant or you're going to his house. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna, yeah, it's going to be his place, I believe. <clears throat> it is. You know, you place. always make fun of me for the restraining order bit. <laughs> I, I wonder if he knows what kind of fatal attraction situation <laughs> he is getting himself into. It's never, it's never the ones who get the restraining orders who turn Kathy Bates on misery. <laughs> it's always the... the Weirder ones who slowly sidle up next to somebody and, <laughs> and, and chloroform them and put them in their trunk. <laughs> oh, we are kidding, no, aren't we? No, no. What, we don't need to go in these hypotheticals. I'm going to learn how to be here because we're talking about how to be here as a new book. Okay. Um, and they're, you know, Rob and I are just two friends getting together to talk about some literature. That's no big deal. Nothing creepy or stalky about that. <laughs> You're the one with the restraining order, not me. So we're going to talk you to always... him. Who else? Uh, Pete Rollins is going to be back on. Cool. Yeah, I hope you study up. <laughs> My dad's coming. Has he written a new book? No, he doesn't have a new book out. He's writing a new book, but it's not a new. It's not done yet, from what I hear. Hey, but, ask him what he thinks about Charles Taylor in a secular age. Randy Harrison and I are talking about that a lot. I'd Charles like to hear Taylor in a secular age. Okay. Yeah, he's sure. A Canadian philosophy. Okay. Yeah. He. Uh, he Pete Rollins, I think, might be my dad's favorite guest of all time. Uh, present mm-hmm. company definitely included. And so he's, he's really excited about that. I got um, – I talked with a publicist for your buddy Andy Crouch, who's come to Highland. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to check out that book. We might do one with him. I've got one that um, Fortress put out. Uh, Wallace is the guy's name. It's a really uh, – I've read a couple of pages of it. It's a really interesting intersection of faith and um, and – science and biology and all that stuff. So physics should be an interesting podcast. So that's next month. Jonathan, Wait, I think... Are you just going to be the whole time like, uh... <laughs> I look forward to hearing... So, how does that make you feel? physics. How does that make you... Do you think I'll do better with quoting physics or lyrics from songs? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I don't see how you could do worse than the song <laughs> lyrics, but... Do you... I, I, What's the over-under on how many times you quote the Big Bang Theory or allude to the Big Bang Theory? <laughs> Zero, because I don't watch that heathen show. I only read the book of Genesis. <laughs> you godless atheist. 
<laughs> do you um, do you have uh, a blog that's ever going to return, or is it pretty much done? Is that just a nail in the coffin? I don't know. There's there's plans. We we've got some plans, but it's going to be a couple of weeks before anything is. Who's do you got a mouse in your pocket? Who's this? We we've got plans. <laughs> just a very special friend, hmm. and I are, are thinking of. If we, if we do a website together, I feel like I'm going to need creative control over you making blog posts about my guests and talking junk about them. <laughs> okay, first off, I wrote that before I had any idea that you had got an interview with Hillsong. Um, so it was just serendipitous that I was writing about that the same week that you were that you were doing that. First of all, leave Sarah Barton out of this. Second of all, that's the point though. If you're going to write negative things about people, I might eventually talk to them. I can't, I, we can't have that. Okay. Okay. So do you want me to like write negative things about people that you're wanting to talk to? To try to get, get on their radar? Yeah. Because I think, <clears throat> I think what happened was Joel Houston was like, man, this guy wrote a blog about me in Avalon, Texas. And I really want a chance to dispel what he wrote in this blog. That sounds right to me. So, <laughs> Everyone thinks Brene Brown is amazing, but here's my opinion. She's going to be in Austin in like two weeks or three weeks. And yes, she's doing something for South by and I've been reading her new book and it is so good. So good. Yeah, she she is pretty great. But I feel like... Oh, hey, one last thing. I hung out with Becca Stevens last two weeks ago. Um, We were speaking at the same event and man, she's amazing. How, she is amazing, and she talks so much junk about you. No, she doesn't. She There's does. no way. There's. I can't believe you even get a, got to hang out with her. That was a complete. Rip-off. It was lots of fun. Me and, and my five year old Samuel. Oh, do you know what she emailed me? She emailed me on the plane, <clears throat> and she said, "Oh, I'm going to look this up." Okay, you talk about something while I look this up. Okay. This was if this was the. Uh, the text picture that you sent oh, me. It was she just retweeted me. She just Becca retweeted Steve. me as it looked on my phone. I'm not even joking. I'm glad the world gets to see your vanity. Oh, okay. No, I, I just, anyway. <laughs> Lindsay, I got another retweet. <laughs> it's happening. Would you like me to read this to everyone? Just got to sit with your friend on the plane. He pales in the shadow of your aura. He, <laughs> that's what she thought of you. Just FYI. Yeah, that was before we really hung out. That was just the first time we met. And I said, I am friends with you, which I regret almost every time I tell somebody else that. But anyway, she was great. She mm-hmm. yeah. you would not say that now. She wouldn't. She's she too would. nice. She's an angel. She's an angel. Yes. And I feel like anything you say is going to sully the name of our Episcopal friend, Becca Stevens. So That's I'm not gonna his def- name I'm trying to sully. Okay, well, you know what? Hurt people hurt people, and that's what you're clearly (laughs) doing right now. (laughs) All right. Good month, man. Jonathan, thanks as always. Good luck with your blog. Hope it gets working. Thanks, man. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.